again, and welcome to the Red Dwarf intro cast, where we talk about Starbucks, since Red Dwarf is nowhere to be found. Uh, longtime fans and newbies alike journey together into the deepest, darkest regions of space on the transport ship Starbuck. My name is Heath. I'm Angela. I'm Shane. And I'm Nick Jeff. Hi, Nutty. Hello, Hello. Nutty. Yes, so you know this is going to be an awesome episode because Nutty is here and she makes everything fun. Do I? Cool. Just add fun powder. It's only nineteen ninety five if you send check or money order too. Hoot. Let's see. This episode we are talking about uh, season six, episode five, Rimmer World. And we will get the synopsis of that in just a moment. But first, uh, just in case there's anybody left on the internet that hasn't heard of you, Nutty, do you want to introduce yourself again? Oh, yes. Uh, I am Nuke Chass. I have the podcast, the Nutty Bites podcast, which you can find at nimlas.org, N-I-M-L-A-S.org. And it's a podcast where I highlight the things that are awesome and have uh, geeky debates called Nutty Debates, where we... Talk about silly topics like who the most ineffectual character on sci-fi is, lame superpowers, favorite fictitious bands, things like that. Um, it's a monthly podcast, so it comes out about once a month, sometimes more. I'm also on, and I'm going to mention this simply because it's our current season, the uh, Beyond the Wall podcast. It's a Game of Thrones non-spoilery podcast. And oh, we, I thought it was about Stardust. <laughs> <laughs> and we only record when the episodes are actually airing on HBO, so you can catch us recording that live this year on YouTube and ask us questions as we record. Cool. Woot. Yeah. So, Nettie, is the most ineffectual uh, sci-fi character still Deanna Troy? You know, um, she's <laughs> mentioned, but it's really she doesn't even come close. Okay. And really? and and spoiler alert! Uh, apparently, Boba Fett has some uh, pretty big. Th- th- there's some arguments for Boba Fett being ineffectual, which is kind of sad. Uh-huh. And I thought people would get really upset, but I've not received one hate mail for that hmm. yet. Yeah, oh, I suppose it depends. Have you guys seen uh, the uh, Pet Oswald Parts and Rec uh, scene? Okay, no. <laughs> I can tell you have. Okay, yes. Uh, do, go ahead and look it up. On, on Parks and Recreation, a funny little show here, uh, Patton Oswald plays a character. He um, wants to filibuster uh, a local town council meeting to stop them from passing a law. And so he starts his filibuster, just keeps on talking and won't, won't give up the mic, and he starts by describing his idea for Star Wars Episode Seven. <laughs> nice, nice. I did it see the uh, Patton Oswald. I think it's like funny or die or college humor he does this whole thing where he plays the penguin yes yes that was yes. great too. It's they, all really of their funny, batman but thing I, are... I could see him seriously playing <laughs> the penguin yeah yeah <laughs> all of their batman stuff is good yeah yeah that guy are dead <laughs> can we trust him yeah that's another <laughs> debate we had on nutty bites by the way best batman and best uh, joker Oh, Harvey Dent. Uh, well, Can best we bat. No, I, I'm sorry. Best Batman. There's no question. It is Kevin Conroy. Of course. Best Joker has to be Mark Hamill. Yep. So the cartoon wins on both. <laughs> um. No, there's best Bruce there, there's Wayne for, for me is Michael Keaton. Real. I I totally respect that. Yeah. I do. Hmm. 
I thought that Val Kilmer might have been a better Batman than uh, than Michael Keaton. Um, I think that Christian Bale has a lot of things going, but I just can't take that voice seriously the longer I watch it. Um, I, lo- I love his performance. I love those movies, but my goodness. Well, it's one of those things that the more it's watched and the more it's joked about. I mean, it was kind of groundbreaking and, and, and really changed yes. the character when he first did it. But after three movies and all of the spoofs, it's now a big joke. So yeah. we got to do something else. But Kevin Conroy's voice is just amazing. Yeah. Uh, for Batman. Anyway. Um, Red Dwarf. We probably... Red Dwarf. So anyway, Red Dwarf. <laughs> Somebody suggested we change the podcast name to that, and they probably... It should that. totally be the uh, Back to Red Dwarf yeah. podcast. So anyway, that would back be to awesome. Uh, Paul could not join us uh, today, sadly. We Hopefully he will be around for the season finale. I think he's uh, on a planet somewhere where it's populated with nothing but Pauls. <laughs> yes. There's All lots the of, of discussions about wrestling. And- <laughs> yes. Um, so, uh, Shane, tell us about Rimmerworld. The Starbuck crew returns to the simulant ship to discover as many supplies as they can before the unstable infrastructure breaks apart. They don't count on the rogue simulant still being there, and she holds them off at gunpoint. Rimmer sneaks off to save himself and climbs into a skate pod. The others also escape, but not before before Rimmer's pod has fallen through a wormhole and then on a desolate planet all alone, Rimmer uses the supply he finds on the pod to create a new environment called Rimmerworld, where he populates with clones of himself. It takes centuries for Starbuck to catch up with him, by which time the generations of clones have imprisoned him for being un-Rimmer-like. <laughs> <laughs> so, I think I can pretty much claim a win on this one, in terms of predicting it. Um, I said that I couldn't figure out how they were going to have a planet full of Rimmers without being repetitive, and they did, and it kind of was. Mm. But, you know... Um, also, I'm going to claim a retroactive win for Legion for having Space Romans. Space Romans. <laughs> so maybe that's like half a win. <laughs> right plot, wrong episode. Um, yeah, this episode. Uh, this mixed feelings about it. Yeah. Um, let's, let's just dive right into it, I guess. Mm. Uh, we start with Rimmer getting his physical, and in true Rimmer fashion, he tried to cheat, which I love. <laughs> My favorite part, though, is the way he cheated, it's like looking at an eye chart across the room or looking down on at your feet. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure that you could really see the eye chart on your feet better than across <laughs> the room. Well, we saw his attempts at cheating early on. Yeah. He was never particularly good at no. it. <laughs> no. No. Mm. And, you know, I can actually um, identify with him. I get kind of nervous with eye charts um, because, yeah. you know, they do the, uh, can you see out of one or two better? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> and, and you're afraid to get it wrong because if you get it wrong, you're screwing up your glasses. Uh-huh. I, I always had sure. those fears because I have actually had uh, glasses that were given to me where the prescription was just a bit off. Yeah. And it's just yes. wrong. It's so bad. Yeah. I wonder. It, it gives, 
gives me headaches over time. Mm. Sorry. I want to return to something I said last week. Yes. Um, Last week I said this episode um, was uh, delayed in the running order. If you remember that. Yes. Yes. It was originally meant to be the very first episode of the entire show, (laughs) but there was a bus strike, so they postponed it for seven years. (laughs) Uh, No, basically, uh, with the line when Liston mentions a similar ship accounted a few couple of weeks back, Mm -hmm. it was, if they delayed it, it was quite literally true for the audience. Ah. Because, of course, it being the same similar ship that we found in Gunman and the Apocalypse. Yes. I, I yeah. liked the continuity that they had for that, mm. though. It was kind of yeah, nice. It's, it's something that they don't normally have in Red Dwarf. Yeah. Right. Both the, um, that and the ocean planet that they crashed mm. into. Mm. Yes. Mm-hmm. And can I yeah, just I say, like- double eyebrows, it worked. <laughs> <laughs> On the simulant chick. She, you know, it didn't look bad. Yeah. Yeah, it was, you know, I didn't actually even notice. I mean, the the shot was kind of dark there. I couldn't get a good look at her. Mm. Although we were totally (laughs) going to, okay, this time we were prepared. Because usually we were going to be ready. Like, did you know? Did you recognize the actress who played uh, the simulant? So we're like, we're going (laughs) to research this. And so yeah, and we would be like, no, and you would be like, she played the next door neighbor on "Don't Tread Through Mrs. Haversham's Garden," a very popular (laughs) series that everyone in Britain has seen and loved, and that you've never heard of. Um, We were going to be so we were yeah we were going to be ready and turned to find out she has barely been in anything ever. So oh well. Well, it's because she's actually a simulant. True. Yes. <laughs> it's not an she actor. Had bit parts on <laughs> bit parts on various shows for a nine-year period. So, oh well. And joining uh, and joining us on the line right now is Paul. Yeah. What? Yay. I know. Paul. Surprising. It's Paul. Hi, Paul. Sir, a world full of shades. Oh, Sean's. Oh. Susan's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Shane gets dumped onto a world that's populated by nothing but uh, uh, Sean's because the cloning thing got messed up. <laughs> oh. And he gets imprisoned for being unshawn like. <laughs> You're nothing like Sean. <laughs> that's true of me. Oh my god. Run away! <laughs> yeah, well, luckily, though, there's another crash landing, and it turns out to be a planet inhabited by Sean's and Debbie's from Potential you know, Cast. <laughs> oh, yes. Do you know his alternate My brother's called Sean, what? right? No, no word of a lie, right? <laughs> and he's getting married in July. And Yay, congratulations. To Debbie. To Debbie. Oh, that's hysterical! Oh, I love it. Not, not the Sean and Debbie from Potential Cast. Awesome. No, no. Yeah. Yeah. But in my head, by the way, when you mentioned Debbie, is I'm hearing Gabby in my head going, "What's a red dwarf?" <laughs> <laughs> Good impression. I, I was, oh. I was though picturing when we rescue Shane, then he'll look at us and say, "Andrea." <laughs> 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 Pablo? 
Oh, awesome. No, I'd, uh, well. no, it would be it would be um, it would be wrench. I think <laughs> wrench. <laughs> <laughs> so they um a lot of this episode they they spend establishing something new for Rimmer that he has a hologram heart disease. Yeah. Um, that's you know completely new information that holograms can even be sick. But uh, you know um I didn't quite understand why they did that because when I looked back at this episode, ultimately it had no bearing on the plot whatsoever except for the funny gag where these uh, the stress balls had been worn down. Yeah. Like, I can only assume it's going to show up in another episode maybe, but... Um, and everyone in the room th- got quiet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but just for, for the purposes of this episode, it seemed like a lot of time was dedicated to that with very little payoff. I don't know. Maybe we should get used to more continuity. Maybe. This episode did have that. Mm -hmm. So maybe it's also forwardly continuity. Are you speaking English still? Because I'm I'm lost now. (laughs) (laughs) No, no. As they frequently remind us, we speak American. We leave U's out of things, so we can't speak English. Lost is a completely different program. We speak American. Uh, We speak American. 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 It's different. Uh, Or different. (laughs) I claim no association to these two. (laughs) Speaking of, check out sometime uh, a clip of Robert Downey Jr. um, uh, on the road promoting Iron Man 3 with Gwyneth Paltrow in France. She, of course, greets everyone in French because she's Gwyneth Paltrow and she's awesome. And so he, like, just goes off and he was like, they don't teach French in prison. And (laughs) and now I, I look like an a-hole here, and I'm the ugly American because I have to have the translator, and he's just hilarious. He's not acting when he's Tony Stark. He just is that guy, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, Tony Stark is Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. Without the uh, drug problem. Well, Tony Stark was an alcoholic. Oh, there you go. Well, and he has got the ultimate drug, the the power source. True. There you go. Yes. But, uh, Red yeah, Red Dwarf. <laughs> Back to Red Dwarf. <laughs> So, yeah, we've got this heart problem thing that we talk about. Um, oh, uh, why then, that he yeah. went for the physical, by the way? In my head, it was always, we're dealing with somebody who's over-worrying and over-stressed. So what does he do, of course? He's a hypochondriac. He asks for a medical, even though he's a hologram. And has <laughs> no idea that he could die. But, yeah, he's going to do that. So it just, it, it's been accounted for. It fits. He's sparkly. I didn't know if he... Yeah, I didn't know if he um, asked for it or if, like, it's, you know, regulation 1238729B and regulation, he has to follow it because he said he asked for it. B. <laughs> Strokes. Okay, they podcasters didn't say that he asked for it. Wear cat masks when they're <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, couldn't resist. Okay. I, I missed that when they said that he asked for it. When when he's asking Crichton to tell him the truth, he says, I, I asked for this medical because I want to know if there's something wrong. Ah, okay. Yeah. Cool, cool. <laughs> uh, let's see. Then we get our obligatory bridge scene. Cat yes. uh, doesn't smell anything while on the bridge this time, so that's different. And Crichton uh, doesn't, uh, while on the bridge, uh, 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 
volunteer to die and sacrifice himself. That has, they wait a, wait a scene or two yeah. for that and, and for the regulation thing. Um, but yeah, they've decided they're low on supplies, they're tired of eating asteroid mold and lichen, <laughs> and they're going to steal the supplies from the simulant ship, uh, which is was easily destroyed by one accidental errant shot. So Lister's been lying to everyone. He's been kind of a dick lately. I mean, yeah, he's trying to get people not to panic, but they should know when they're running out of fuel. (laughs) Like, he's been changing the readouts. I just just think it shows that that Lister's a lot more competent than we think he is. I guess, but... Yeah. Maybe it's all the brain food from the space nettle soup. (laughs) Maybe. He's finally getting vegetables for the first time in his life. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, well, he has Um, changed quite a bit since the chicken soup repair person that we originally met six seasons ago. Yeah, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't seem very bright to, like, lie to Crichton, for instance. Yeah, I mean, if you didn't want to panic Cat, okay, and Rimmer's a smeghead, so okay, but, I mean, Crichton has pretty much kept them alive for uh, the last last leg or or two of the journey here. So, yeah, why why hide that from him? He might be able to suggest how to fix it or something. Mm -hmm. Because Crichton's lie mode isn't very effective? It's been a counter. And Space Corps directive would prevent him from being able to go along with uh, mucking up the readouts. Maybe. <laughs> no, the, yeah, that's that's plausible. Ah, uh, let's see. So yeah, they go there. They find out that they can't use the bazookoids. Another nice little secret that Lister was keeping, uh, because the thing is just about to fall apart. They are. <laughs> and Chris Berry has some uh, very but- nice panic attacks. Oh, I've had those. <laughs> yep. Yeah. The closer I get to the end of college, the the more I I understand that. Um. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, uh, they start teleporting. They they are using transporters, a la Star Trek, just left and right here uh, to move this. Uh, stuff. No, 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 no. When in Star Trek do they go forward in time or back in time? This is, okay, well, yeah, yeah. that's different. Star Trek IV? But not with a transporter. Yeah, but not with a transporter. <laughs> they slingshot True. around the sun. True. Now, transporters can, you know, clone things accidentally, yeah. which they they did that in Red Dwarf. And um, can de-age people. Yep. Yes. Yeah. And, yeah. Occasionally infect people with uh, peptide-eating uh, transporter Viruses, mm, cellular peptide you know. cake with mint frosting. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but we have yet to see a transporter cause time travel, so that's interesting. I am trying I to search I'm... my brain out for an episode, and I can't think of one. So it's, it's I'm... a Gallifreyan transporter. Yes, it's I was. Mm-hmm. I was going to say it's, it's it's more like Captain Jack's um, teleport mm-hmm. transporter arm wrist mm-hmm. thing than uh, than yeah. So now they just need a squareness gun to go along with the hollow. 
so, uh, yeah, our simulant with her awesome double eyebrows mm. shows up. Double eyebrows all the way. Um. <laughs> and she threatens and them. We, and... we verified that that actress has not had a significant role in any popular shows that Angela and I have not heard of. <laughs> so, and... we're off the hook. Um. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then luckily, though, brave, brave Rimmer has snuck around the back. He has flanked the enemy. And he scampers. <laughs> <laughs> one, of, one of my favorite scenes. Can't believe you're doing this. I know. I, I can't believe, really. <laughs> that, that whole scene, that whole bit there where he's talking to Rimmer... But the simulant thinks he's talking Are to him. It's just classic. It's very well done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, this is how I can sort of justify the whole stress thing. Because it sort of shows that facing your fears and actually standing up to people and doing something... <laughs> actually causes less stress than avoidance. You know, because mm-hmm. he ends up being in a worse position, a far worse position than he would have been. You know? Like, if he had just yep. knocked out the simulant, he could have teleported with the rest of them, but now he has to be alone for 600 years, except a wait alone with literally himself. And, yeah, mm. it was a lot worse. Mm. Okay. I mean, if that's the point they were going with, with for all this, I mean, I guess, I guess that makes sense. It just, it seemed like they were leading up to something else, mm-hmm. and they didn't really emphasize that particular connection. I mean, I guess that makes sense thematically, but they they really didn't uh, hang a lantern on it if that's what they were trying to say. Yeah, that's the only way I could justify it in my head. Plus, it sort of makes me think of. I would be less stressed if I actually did what I needed to do instead of procrastinating and avoiding. <laughs> yeah. Amen to that. Work on, a, work on a paper or play Bejeweled. Huh. Well, I'm not on the high spot on the leaderboard yet, so... Yeah. Been there. I know. How, um, how do you keep beating me in that? I don't know, Heath. But anyway, moving on. But, I, I don't know. Oh. Well, I, I have a gift for things that I only have to focus on for one minute at a time. Okay. So there you go. Um, <laughs> let's see. Well, I've got the time uh, all right, so, Solitaire Blitz still, so... You do. Definitely. You're rocking on that. Uh, so, they teleport <laughs> off um, after a funny line from Cat. I think we'll save that for a quote then. Um... And they find out that, yeah, yeah, they're not going to be able to catch up with Rimmer because apparently this escape pod is the most awesome piece of technology in the universe. (laughs) One, it has the potential to seed a whole planet with life. Two, it has Genesis missiles. It has Genesis missiles. Two, it has infinite power (laughs) and can power Rimmer's Rimmer's, uh, hard light drive for as long as he needs to. Three, it can scan... For M-class planets, wait, do they use the term M-class planets? They wouldn't use the term M. They they actually say um, something else. I forget exactly yeah. what it is, but basically it's I, like I, an S something or other. Yeah, S S S three atmosphere. Yeah. yeah anyway, ah. but yeah, the, it can scan 
four planets through a wormhole. <laughs> what kind of scanners does this thing have? I don't know why. I mean, this is a show about. Yeah. It's a show about spaceships zooming through space and everything and, and, you know, teleporters and whatnot. Okay, I can stretch my belief that far, but for some reason, doing a scan through a wormhole, I'm like, nah, can't do that. You have to send an unmanned probe and. Yes. (laughs) Tachyon emissions. Yes. Well, the pod. The uh, pod did have what they referred to as solar accelerators, so that's solar power. Yeah, but... So that, and so the power is relatively infinite, unless something happens. But it's a wormhole. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, no, he was talking about the um, the being able to power yeah. your Oh, yeah. Yeah, drive forever. Yeah, mm-hmm. so I guess that makes sense, but... Yes, really good dialogue when Crichton is delivering the bad news there. <laughs> I do have a note about the um, the escape pod. Yes. Uh, the interior of the escape pod uh, was the same set used for the command center. <coughs> Excuse me, I'm sorry. I'll repeat that. Uh, it was the same set used for the command center of this, in the simulant ship in the Gunman the Apocalypse. Oh. In retrospect, we should have repented it, said P- production designer Mel Bibby. But we s- we thought it was such a small clip in Gum and the Apocalypse, and the shot was so tight, nobody would notice. But then everybody did. And people then people wrote in, Why is it the same ship? Being it, it was stolen off an alien ship. But they just argued that it's a modular system. <laughs> Wait, but isn't it off the same ship, though? Because the simulant... It is, but it was... But it was scavenged from another ship, so... Oh, okay. Okay. Well, yeah, the same company. Honestly, for things like that, I don't (laughs) care. All Apple products look alike, right? Exactly. (laughs) It's been accounted for. Seriously, the Vasquez rocks are every single alien planet, no matter Mm, what. Yes. Mm. And, you know... But I never notice things like that, like when they reuse sets and stuff like that. If you're wondering how they eat and breathe <laughs> and other science facts, la la la, repeat to yourself, it's just a show, you should really just relax. And I've probably seen Mystery it. Science Theater 3000, <laughs> yep. thank you very much. Yes. Indeed. And I've probably seen the same warehouse used for post-apocalyptic sci-fi warehouse over and over and over. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, let's see. Uh, incidentally, so I started to wonder about this. Well, I guess that would be more of an end of the episode question. I'll get to it later. Okay. Mm-hmm. So they, uh, Rimmer goes through the wormhole. Uh, for him, 600 years pass. He tinkers with cloning uh, he's not that good at it, mm-hmm. sadly. Well, granted, would uh, you be yeah. that good at cloning? <laughs> well, I don't know. They use a if the technical manual was well written, maybe. <laughs> they, the technical manual was manuals. written by IKEA. Are you able to do it <laughs> in Esperanto? <laughs> of course. Oh yes. <laughs> Uh, the 
alien planet was using a Doctor Who trope. Oh. Because it was a gravel pit. Ah, yes. There's a gravel pit just round the corner from Shepperton Studios. Yeah. Nice. You know, I didn't realize that so many Doctor Who planets were gravel pits. Come to, I mean, now that I'm looking, thinking back over the yeah. classic episodes I've seen, <laughs> yeah. And it was abs- apparently it was absolutely quote bloody freezing. Of course, <laughs> we burned them last episode, so this episode <laughs> we have to switch up, freeze them. Though the wind chill factor, uh, Chris Chris Barry had to have thermals on underneath. It was an incredibly well, windy day, apparently. Well, he couldn't have thermals on in one scene. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes, this episode had a guest star, Chris Berry's posterior region. Best um, guest star in history. <laughs> no, no, best guest star was Chris Berry's tortured torso. Back last season. <laughs> yeah, that um, you'll be happy to know that that um, posterior was not actually Chris Barry. Ah, so it really was a special a guest star. Yes, it was. <laughs> <laughs> he had to have a butt double. No. It was Matt, Le- Matt LeBlanc. Go figure. <laughs> Um, wow, okay, that was an ex- obscure Friends reference it was for me. I don't even watch Friends. Um, I never have. <laughs> you know, I mean, everybody was so crazy about it here, and I would watch it occasionally and thought it was kind of funny, but it wasn't that... I was like, meh, take it or leave it for me. Um, so, yes, they, uh, they follow through the wormhole, they get to the planet, they see that it's a planet full of rumors. It is, in fact, a fistful of rumors. It is a fistful um, of rumors. Yeah. And, and because they are unrumor-like, they are monsters. Mm-hmm. In the script, the world is actually referred to as an Eden-type world. Mm-hmm. You know, bright sunshine and all that stuff. It was actually the woods at the back of Shepperton Studios. Hmm. Cool. And, of course, it being early March... Uh, it was, as I said earlier on, it was absolutely freezing. Yeah. Um, but there's an interesting quote on the uh, documentaries that Robert Llewellyn, who plays Croton, was, because he was in the suit, he was absolutely lovely and warm. So everybody else was absolutely freezing, <laughs> but he was just <laughs> at the right temperature. Nice. Yeah, and being the uh, British winter woods then it wasn't very Eden like <laughs> but now wait Robert Llewellyn like he's he's Canadian uh, uh, Nutty aren't Canadians cold proof <laughs> no uh, Canadians know to wear parkas and toques and scarves and gloves you'll notice that the the best invention inventions for keeping yourself warm come from Canada you know the, the balaclavas and all of that yeah Canadians know to Dress mm. warm. Oh, okay, that's that is what so I have learned. They've yet to have, so they they've yet to just evolve into uh, 
salamander people, like on... No, no, they would have to evolve into yetis. <laughs> yes, there we go. But you probably know some Canadians who you might wonder about. You know, you know there, are, there are some gamers that I've met, yes, you know, but then again, I've met some, some Bigfoot type people in, in, in America as well, so... True. You know, yeah. Oh, what you there's have. plenty of. Oh, I've got, I've got cousins, man. That <laughs> <laughs> I will say. And, you know, plus, uh, sorry, go ahead. I said, yeah. Plus, being from the south and the way that some of them talk, then Northerners might mistake them for Bigfoot. There you go. Now <laughs> you've you've sort of uh, figured sh- out the sh- myth there. Uh, yes. Strange guttural grunting. This, well, I'll tell you what, man, we're going to go out there tomorrow and run our pit right here. That's right. The Sasquatch is actually just a very hairy southerner. Um, <laughs> we're connected. Just a little boy. Um, <laughs> but I will say that uh, living in Canada, um, I have a slightly different tolerance to the weather, but only in relation to me being in Canada last. Like, for instance, in January, I went down to New York and I was so warm, I was running around without a coat on because I was just so oh. warm. Mm-hmm. But the longer you're away from Canada, you you kind of acclimate back to whatever weather you're in. Yeah, Nettie, <laughs> someday I'll stop taunting you with screen caps over Twitter of our weather here. Oh, no, that, that's <laughs> fine. I plan on doing the same thing to you when uh, you're dying of the heat in Hotlanta. <laughs> it won't be long. It will not be long. Yeah, that'll be great. Oh. Get hot in, uh, uh, for those of you who don't know... Oh, I go ahead. Go where it's hot craft beer. It really is. <laughs> Well, you should come to the American South. There, there's, like, lots of racing. Now, granted, it's more NASCAR than Formula One, but racing, there's wrestling fans. You know, I, I there's, there's, um, tons of folk who never even heard of Firefly. Awesome. Sounds yeah, true. Already. Yeah. Tons. Although. It's not about Firefly. I'm saying. That impression was all right. Whoever did the other impression was her- terrible. No, it was just Angela, wasn't it? That was terrible. Oh, <laughs> I don't speak like that at all. I am, I am up. A... Yes, you do. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great impression. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> It was so much I'm better just going to sit here and let you go, Slight. Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be back in about 15 minutes. <laughs> now, um, now, what, what was, I was going to say, though, uh, for all the people here that haven't heard of Firefly, what was just voted the best uh, city for geeks or and nerds? Atlanta. Mm-hmm. That's just because of Dragon Con. But also, like, San, San and a gaming things. Uh, apparently, they've... They did like a, a looked around for like comic shops and gaming shops and uh, groups that got together to do nerdy things and uh, Atlanta tipped out. I bet San Diego. Cool. I bet that the the group thing probably tipped it because yeah, you have such disparate um, fandoms here that they're more willing to travel distances to form groups that where they can mm. hang out and talk about stuff whereas it's probably just people hanging out mm. uh in in places with uh more population density get away from denser populations <laughs> oh, no. oh okay. boy get away from their family just kidding they want to talk about football are you ready for <coughs> some football 
Not really, no. Let's talk about Which, by the way, we so, had 3,000 people come into Auburn yesterday for the A-Day the and the final rolling of the Tumors the Oaks. It's like the uh, spring it's football like a, game. A football it's exhibition. Football. Yeah. Are you a gridiron? Yeah. Not real yeah, football. Not real football. Um, are, are you in a play, a town, then... Did you say you were in Atlanta? Yeah. Oh, we're in, oh, we're, we're in is Auburn, Auburn a place where it, gridiron is practically a religion? <laughs> oh yeah, uh, it's 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 an SEC college town, uh, the the Southeastern Conference, and it's known for its uh, fanaticism of football. And Auburn, more so even than like Mississippi State, where we used to be, Auburn is so, crazy like, about like, football. Yeah, so, and so the Auburn Allen game, like you, you said, the A game, whatever. When when the game's on, mm-hmm. everyone's at the game, and then the whole town's a ghost town. Pretty much. Yes, yes, and so you know, Angela and I, we're not really sports fans. So if we want to go to the store that day, we have to time it carefully. If you <laughs> try to go before the game, forget it. You can't go anywhere in town because it's full. But during the game, yeah, there's like tumbleweeds, man. You you can you can just cruise into Walmart, buy all your stuff, no line, get home. Hunker down. Yep. I have noticed oh. that in the South, generally, football is a religion. And oh, it's yeah. very strange. Yeah. I know that, uh, you know, coming from New York, uh, I was doing a lot of work down in Florida. And I would go down there and we would run into resistance based on certain things because no matter what happened, football usurped everything else. I was like, well, this has nothing to do with football. This has to do with this. Yeah, but you don't understand football. It's like, but <laughs> but football. I was like, okay, but this is this is a huge grant. You've got all this money. We're going to be doing this. But football. Football. Uh, but football and I just, yeah. I couldn't grasp it because football is not that important. To you. I, I, to to uh, the average New Yorker. Whereas there, if you are a football fan... And you live in New York, yeah, you're going to go crazy for the Jets or the Giants or whatever, both which play in Jersey, by the way. Um, But (laughs) uh, the average person is not going to go completely crazy over football, whereas the town that I was in in Florida, um, if you weren't completely psychotic over football, if you weren't wearing a jersey on game day, on every Monday, people were wearing their jerseys. If you didn't wear a jersey, people looked at you funny. Yep. And I had people coming up to me saying, why aren't you wearing a jersey? I, I would, <laughs> yeah, I would exactly. reply yeah, and say, like, look, jersey. have you seen the price of them? Because I have a favorite gridiron team, <laughs> believe it or not. I'm a, I'm a Redskins fan. And um, yeah. I thought, <laughs> well, I'm going to try and buy an RG3 jersey. Because obviously over, over here, the, there isn't... A, not even a mini school fan base of American football. They, they have they have two yeah. uh, NFL games in in the UK a year, and I, I was like, oh okay. I, I looked online to see how much an LG three jersey would cost me, and I was just astonished at how much it cost. I bear, bearing in mind, mm-hmm. right, the biggest sport over here is football, the proper stuff, not your crap, and. Um, a, a, a football a, a football shirt would cost around about forty to forty five pounds. I looked online for an RG three jersey, and it was like eighty five quid. Yeah, 
and I and my jaw just mm. dropped. I'm like, <laughs> no. I like I like I like yeah. the Redskins. I like RG three, but I'm not paying that for a jersey. I I own a jersey I now. It's it's for a fictitious football team in set in 500 years in the future for the Intergalactic <laughs> Football League. It's a Kraken's jersey. It's is awesome. It, is it zero G football? <laughs> no, it is not zero G's football. But it's uh, it's Scott Sigler's universe, uh, the rookie, and it's intergalactic football. All different races play it. It's awesome. So I have this big, bright orange uh, football jersey. So whenever there's like a Super Bowl party or whatever, I wear it and I get a lot of confused looks. People are like, I don't know that team. No, no, you don't. (laughs) And it's actually affordable. I I see that there's a clip on YouTube, so I will just post it in our Facebook group. But Stephen Fry, when he was doing his show, Stephen Fry in America, was going from state to state. When he came to Alabama... Yeah, he came to Auburn, uh, where we live, Auburn, Alabama. He came to an and Auburn he went, football game. Went to the football game, yeah. In fact, and I think it was yeah, homecoming he, he said game. That, um, it was either homecoming it, game or the Alabama game. Yeah, I believe it was the Alabama mm-hmm. game. Yeah, which was is huge. Uh, they're they're the rivals, the other major university in Alabama. Yeah. Or any other major university in Alabama. Yeah, rivalry. Um, but he, he called it his quintessential American experience. He says that it was ridiculous, overdone, overblown, but also fun, exciting, and kind of magical. Do, do you know so. what I would love to do if I ever came to America? The one of the, I think one of the first things I would want to experience is go tailgating. Just to experience it. Well, oh, yeah. come down here and we'll come down here in the fall and we'll take you to... like. Oh people- my goodness, the barbecue... Barbecue ribs. Oh, I meant the style. And people come here, like, the football game is on a Saturday. There will be trailers around Wednesday. Wow. Like, these people don't have Yeah, people start putting up tents. (laughs) It's it's alumni, yeah. Yeah. um, So anyway, back to Red Dwarf. (laughs) This has been the Auburn Football Cast. Sorry, the American um, Yeah. We'll talk about it afterwards. (laughs) Uh, yeah. Yes, yes, we shall. Uh, oh, speaking of cultural references, um, so we're talking about Red Dwarf now. Are we? Oh, great, we I'm are. back. We are. I'm back. It's we all right. Yes. So I, can, I can I can wake up now. Yes. Shane's woken up. <laughs> speaking of <laughs> speaking of cultural references, maybe y'all can help Angela and I with this one. So I I get that. Okay, why the shot at Welsh fish and chip shops? I know, right? More more choice than a. Uh, or better choices in a Welsh uh, fish and chip shop is, I mean, are they known for just selling fish and chips no, more than York, other York, places just fe- where I'm sell from, fish and chips? Where you can get the most fish and chips in the country. Mm. Hmm. But I mean, yeah. is it that the fish and chip shops in Wales like don't offer variety um, that is offered <laughs> at other places. Like, how much variety can you have? For I think Wales is mainly known for sheep, <laughs> and uh, you can tell from Shane's reaction okay. there. I said a funny. But I mean, Wales has a coast. I just doesn't yeah. It? Wales has a coast, yes. doesn't it? Yeah, and they would have yeah. fish. So yeah, it's. 
So yeah, I, it just it just seemed like a weird reference. Yeah. I mean, I, I get that Wales is sort of treated as you know the Mississippi of, <laughs> of the UK sometimes, but um, oh, being man. the target for random insults. W- whenever, well, doing a Google search for. Chan- Sorry. 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 Go ahead. I was just going to say, doing a Google search for Welsh fish and chips, I'm finding things for New South Wales, which is in Australia, so uh, it seems Ah. like it's just not a popular thing. So there you go. Okay. Maybe there's just not any. Yeah. I've never been to Wales. Maybe. And uh, I've only ever been to Cardiff. And consider. And considering I only live around about, what, 50 miles from the Welsh border, it's quite You're surprising. You're racist to Welsh. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, none of See, that. now I don't want to say my thing about Welsh, um, because <laughs> now I'm going to sound racist. Uh, no, uh, basically, uh, Newfoundland here in Canada, um, people from Newfoundland, have a way of talking. And basically, the best way to describe it is it sounds like they're speaking Welsh, even though I am told that they are speaking English. Oh. It took me a while to get used to the Welsh accent. The greatest thing... Sorry. The greatest place in Wales is somewhere called... Port Marion, which is in North Wales, which is the set for the popular 1960s television program called The Prisoner. Ah. Ah, yes. <laughs> We've heard of that one. I love yeah. that reaction. They're like, yes. Ah, yes. Never watched it in my life. I haven't got a clue about it or anything. <laughs> <laughs> oh, ex- oh, excellent, Paul. You can uh, start listening to a podcast podcast that will be starting in a few weeks time called the new number two podcast cheap plug cheap and through (laughs) (laughs) yes and so we see the rimmer world uh we we finally get a look at the females of the species Mm -hmm. not very impressive (laughs) they're played by us they're played by us at twins well, yeah, except back. for the close-up. Mm, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> mm. I love the female rumors. I think that's awesome. <laughs> it, it's like they used, um, like, Vaseline on the, the camera. Yeah, they did the Vaseline oh, yeah. screen. The Doing the Barbara Walters. Yeah, the, the soft focus. Yeah. Yeah. And... Yeah, that was weird. It's a throwback to the original series. I guess Star so. Trek. Anytime there's a beautiful woman on camera, uh, you will notice the Vaseline screen in, in Star yeah. Trek, the original series. So Edith Keeler. Oh, fuzzy screen. There you go. <laughs> yeah. I, do, I do have a note. I completely forgot to read it out. But I do, go read it. I do have a note on the model work for this um, episode. Yeah. Uh, basically, what happened was when they had the Rimmer escape pod, they were filming that, and how they decided to film it was to have the camera pointing up and the model going upwards towards the ceiling. Okay. You know, so so you can actually, and unfortunately, it was going up on a little, with a little wire, hit it, and it hit the ceiling. And it started to come crashing back down. 
And it almost hit the camera guy. Of course. It did hit the camera. Wait, cameras cost money. It should have hit an actor. Yeah. <laughs> they yeah. replace actors. They should have thrown Chris Berry at it or something. I mean. can, I, can I ask? Um, I, I obviously, because yeah, I missed the first part of the um, episode, I apologize again. Yeah. But um, have we had this episode's version of um, List of Mimes... Um, another person's lines yet? No, yeah. oh, we hadn't talked about that. Um, yeah, we had. There is actually that. There yeah, is, yeah. There's actually there two. Is, actually, uh, isn't there? when the <laughs> it's the cat's lines actually both of them. Um, cat says mm. all in all, 100 percent successful trip, and uh, form an orderly queue behind the gun sight. Lister is seen mouthing those lines. Hmm. He just wants to show he knows the scripts inside out. It does, but that's a really bad habit for actors to get mm, in. Yeah. Will Will Smith did that a lot in the first season of Fresh Prince mm-hmm. of Bel Air. Yeah. yeah. If you actually see the shot, is actually in the documentary, and when we finished doing all ten seasons, I'll actually put the documentaries up on the Facebook group. Cool. Uh, but you can see the unedited shot with the green screen. So you can see the model shot hitting the ceiling, then coming straight back down, and you can actually see the camera wobble when it hits the camera. Mm. <laughs> cool. Cool. Uh, let's see. We learn on Rimmer World that... I love that not only just the um, appearance, but that cowardice and snideness and whatnot are normal, basic drives mm. for... The Remarians. Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. Remarians. I like that. I like that the H was an affectation. Mm. Mm-hmm. Fashion statements. And this is an example of how a particular symbol will continue, but change meaning during a, <laughs> during a time of paradigm shift. The referent is lost. Well... <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, he's, we find Rimmer Prime, uh, in his cell, working on those stress balls. <laughs> the best joke ever. Like, I would remember that past the light bulb joke. Really? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Like, the light bulb joke seemed a bit of, more of a one-off that wasn't particularly referenced, but this was a joke that... They took time to, you know, make into a running gag throughout the episode, and then we got the payoff, which I always appreciate. Mm. Has anyone ever used those? They planted it. No, never. My hands are too small. I've seen them. I've, I've, my hands are small, but there's different size ones that you can get, and you can learn whatever. And I can do the two. I can't do more than two, but it's not stress reducing. (laughs) <laughs> like they're called worry balls but yeah they're not stress reducing because you feel like you're going to drop them I much prefer the stress balls that you can squeeze until they burst yeah the burst. squishy ones mm. yeah. right. mm-hmm. so so for the record we would rather squish balls than roll them we'll just leave that one there they made the jokes in the episode first it's their fault <laughs> 
I expect better of you, sweetie. This no, is a classy podcast. No, I really don't. And it's not. Um, <laughs> I learned it Sorry. from you. I learned it from you. <laughs> oh, so, uh, a relieved Rimmer uh, greets his boon companions, Caster, uh, or Caesar? Kit and Titan. That's it. <laughs> Um, Derek. <laughs> yeah. So he quickly overcomes 600 years of psychological trauma. Um, As you do. And like you do. Yeah. Him and Rory, man. <laughs> I have to call BS at some point on that. Um, <laughs> and we we learned the situation. Uh, not, not Rory the dragon. Rory the uh, companion. Yes. Yes, I figured as much. <laughs> <laughs> Hang out 2,000 years, and yeah, okay, fine, whatever. Hang out 2,000 years absolute, as a plastic man. Well, yeah, absolutely no no detrimental psychological effects on that. I, I have a bit about that, actually, for Rimmer. Um, oh, yeah? It, mm. In a deleted scene, it's revealed that Rimmer's brothers all suffered psychotic breakdowns. So while he was the least mm. successful, he was the most stable. This is supported in the episode as broadcast by the fact that Rimmer appears to almost instantly recover from his nearly 600 years of incarceration. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Good to know. Maybe it is. So while he was stressing, it's not a big deal. Sorry. (laughs) Maybe it's because of the worry boss. His net. (laughs) Or maybe it's, you know, his natural state is a state of worry. Mm. And so stress that would cause a normal person to break, he is... Part of course. That's his natural <laughs> environment, yeah. Mm. He, he is the salamander that has evolved for the, <laughs> that particular <laughs> environment. Um, you know... I think the Sorry, whole think, salamander but, but, oh, discussion is that even on the recording. Was, that is not on the That's recording. What I was but just we say, it's we not do on the not recording. want to talk about <laughs> threshold again. Please, I'm all discarded. Okay, I'm sorry, discarded for about the, an hour and a half ago. Okay, sorry. The, the salamander references are referencing a, a really lousy episode of Voyager. Uh, I apologize for. I thought that was on the recording. Oh well, <laughs> my bad. Um. So that Lister comes up again. Lister showing his leadership qualities comes up with a brilliant escape plan. Uh, the Crichton offers an alternative. I love this. I actually <laughs> love this little bit because it's always usually um, Crichton doing the big, Witches. long diatribe. Then this little cat or somebody just cuts in with a woofer. Although they and, did have yeah. the bit where Cat would come up with, yeah. you know, we need to use this. And Crichton would say, well, two Hit problems with, the- with that, sir. Mm. <laughs> That's only one problem, but I thought it was so significant that it was worth repeating. Twice. <laughs> um, let's see. Oh, yeah. Uh, then, so they teleport back. Mm-hmm. Everything is great, except that they're a little bit off. And they are in the future. The future Conan? Yes. In the year 2000. Um, they uh, find out that something hideous has happened to Lister. And we end on exactly that note. I do. And Angela and I quickly... Go ahead. Say it. Go ahead. 
Oh, and Angela and I quickly paused to avoid the Netflix freeze frame spoilage that happens because Shane insists that a given freeze frame from the next episode would totally ruin it yep. for us. I have to ask, what do you think's happened to this stuff? Well, it's turned into a woman. <laughs> Again. Again. Because apparently it's okay to reuse plots. He, he's pregnant. Um, Again. Again. I don't know. I don't know. Well, again, now, though, you know, we have been teasing him losing that arm for quite some time. Yeah. So I'm curious as, as to whether or not we're going to finally get there. But, uh, you know, but they could be faking us out because they they keep teasing that happening and that it hasn't happened. And, you know, um, there are just a lot of unanswered questions still from that first time travel bit uh, montages that, that we see in, in future Echoes. I'm sort of curious as to whether those are ever going to be fully resolved. So I don't know. We'll see. But I do like how blasé they are about, oh, Emerald World, that was oh, okay. weeks ago. Yep. Yep. <laughs> That's so, yeah. we're so over that. <laughs> Why Romans? Because maybe in his accelerated um, evolution of clones, then it took 600 years to get to the Romans. Who who are Rimmer's heroes? Yeah. Napoleon. Napoleon. But and he's Caesar. always talking about Caesar and the Romans, and, and he's always about warlike and politics and things like that, so the, the whole Roman um, and centurion thing just kind of makes sense. Hmm. And you'll notice that it's not exactly well, copying Roman because there is a dictator. Mm-hmm. Chris Barry enjoyed the episode, but wish there could have been more. Quote, That's what I'm saying. Yep. Exactly. Quoting an yep. quoting an interview here, I don't think there was enough time to be put into the Rim Award Emperor and those kinds of people. We could have done so many more super things with the concubines and all that sort of business. Yep. Yeah. It's sort of like the the last time we said, you know, oh, we set up Dwayne Dibley and Ace Rimmer and everything, and that would have been awesome to spend, like, a whole episode with them. But they spent so much time on the setup that... Like, yeah, and the, and this episode, yeah, there's going to be a planet populated by nothing but Rimmers, but we get about five minutes of that. Mm-hmm. We get more setup for his heart disease that amounts to a one-off joke, at least in this episode, that, than we do for... of. Why? What they named the episode after? I actually so. timed this actually when I was oh, okay, when I was please. when I was actually uh, re- watching for this purpose of this view. When he lands on the planet and actually walks across the plains, when he f- um is eighteen minutes into the episode, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's a twenty-eight minute episode. Yeah. And so take that and subtract the time that they spent in the cell without any of the uh, Rimmer clones around. And essentially, is the whole point of Rimmer World was, you know, what, seven minutes? Yeah, Mm. Yeah, I think... Yeah, I felt like there were some pacing issues. Again. Again. Yeah, I think think it's the whole action sci-fi bent. They've made it more of an action sci-fi show, which works better in a 50-minute... Or 45 mm. minute mm. time slot because then you can have 
you know, the action sequences and the setup and the payoff and you can actually do cool things. Whereas in 30 minutes, you just got to get it done. And since they're spending so much time on setup and continuity for everything, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I wish they'd just get to the gags. <laughs> mm. Like I criticized well, other I, I was, episodes for just going I was trying to... Yeah. I, I was trying to think of um, a 30-minute series that successfully managed sort of the, the action-adventure format and... Funnily enough, the example that comes to mind Futurama. is Futurama. Um, and it, but it does that, though, with intense continuity to where they don't have to do much setup from episode to episode. Yeah. Um, you have your pack characters, and we know where it's going. Um, and, and play, you know, they just play up the comedy. They don't really have to focus on realistic action. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there's, there's some pacing issues going on, I think, with these last two episodes that... I'm hoping that they'll get straightened out if if they continue in this sort of new tone that season six seems to have taken. And even Gunman of the Apocalypse, they spend a long time trying to set up what the premise is, and they spend a relatively small amount of time. Now, I know they did that because they didn't have a lot of time to film in their western town, but, but you know, they, they said up these premises and then they don't spend very much time on them. And I know I'm a big hypocrite because I, you know, three out of ten <laughs> backwards. <laughs> but there, it was sort of the complete opposite uh, problem. Not spending enough time on setup. but I still want to hear your well, reaction to backwards if you watch it after having seen all the episodes. We, you know what, when we get done, when, or yeah. when we catch up to series yeah. 10, we might give it another shot and make that a special episode. Mm-hmm. I think that would be a neat idea. Yeah. Maybe backwards plus balance of power, which was also a low scoring episode. Mm. Like, you know, maybe uh, so let's just see. talk about, you know, some of the best and the worst. Mm-hmm. Any other uh, notes on this episode? No, I'm, I'm all out. All the other notes I have okay. are spoilery for the f- next episode. It's kind of funny. <laughs> yeah, there's know, a lot exactly. of trivia that hasn't that you can't <laughs> share. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Let's see, oh, Paul has just posted something, huh? Um. So I'm pulling up our feedback now. Let's feedback. see. Rumor world. It's the feedback time. Uh, yeah, we need we need jingles. That will yeah, that's gonna help our podcast. <laughs> it won't stop uh, Heath from see. singing though. Sorry guys. It it won't. Uh, Ewan Ancorn says, "Rumor world is a good episode, but probably the weakest of season six. I was definitely just like Rimmer in woodwork. There's a lot. I was oh, in the class in shop class." Oh, oh, gotcha, 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 gotcha. Uh, there's a lot of strong Crichton-Rimmer interchange in Rimmer World. Now, that's true. There there was some true. good moments between uh, Crichton and Rimmer. I just, I think as a whole... Uh, anyway, yeah. Uh, Russ. 
<laughs> addresses me by saying, Heath, I hope you shielded Angela's eyes away from the allure of a naked rimmer. Oh, Russ. Not, not <laughs> impressed. Sorry. <laughs> uh, Nick Quinn says, I agree with you indefinitely. The weaker episode feels like in some ways it was retreading all ground and other multi-rimmer yep. episodes. Yes, Rimmer hates himself. We get it. Uh, that said, it has some <laughs> quality gags, especially towards the end. Booyah. You want to read uh, Sam? Indeed. Sam Hyland says, It must be said, investigating how Rimmer is an arts and probably has probably been done to death at this point. But I did like the throwbacks to gunmen and Rimmer cheese worrying boards was a good visual gag. There's an extended version of Rimmer's personal log on the deleted scenes, which is also pretty funny. Mm. What could possibly happen to Lister, though? More on that next week. <laughs> dun dun dun! Darren Forrester says, uh, My one criticism the episode doesn't have enough Rimmer, lol. Uh, I really enjoyed this ep. Chris Berry in full narcissistic mode and in quadraphonic, no less. Um, aw. Uh, Kat's tagline with the wrong names is one of my favorite moments uh, of the entire show. Uh, note, if you've never seen it, now is a good time to start sprinkling some uh, British Empire into your viewing schedule. Oh, it's a great show. Mm, it certainly is. That was my vote for what you guys should watch as your bonus episode. Because it's Chris Berry is the lead. So, number one, you get a lot of Chris Perry, but it's it's one of my favorites that I would watch. As opposed to two minutes of unrecognizable Robert Wallace? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In an episode that we hated. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry, guys. Uh, okay. uh, Stephen. Go uh, ahead. I'll do it. Stephen Sinnott. I really rate Rimmer World. Yeah. That's correct. What? Rate is in rate is in rate highly. Oh, okay. We can also rate something lowly. Anyway, sorry. I really rate Rimmer. It's a language barrier. The idea that a hologram can have a breakdown due to an algorithm problem is great, as is the use of Chinese wearables. Yes, we've seen Rimmer's issues being discussed many times, but it's still funny to see. How low and self-centered he can be, especially jumping into the escape pod to save himself, uh, leaving others to die. There are other great parts as well, but I'm aware that I might slip into spoiler territory here, so I may leave them for now. All in all, another triumph for season six, in my view. Yay! Thank you all for your feedback. Um, yes? I was always just going to say that... Uh, what Sam refers to in the extended version of uh, Rimmer's personal log um, basically he just collapses on the floor and cries for hours upon hours and tries to kill himself <laughs> oh my goodness that's dark that's very well, that would have actually been <laughs> you, don't, yeah. you don't actually see this it's all, um, it's all voiceover uh. actually I think that would have been quite effective mm-hmm a little bit of little bit of pathos to to offset some of the humor. Yeah. Hmm. Anyway, um, cool. We'll have to check that out sometime. Thank you for the feedback. Uh, now it is time 
uh, for us to give some feedback in the form, rhetorically speaking, of listening to an ad of that which we enjoy. My new favorite podcast! Welcome to Aboard the Night Bus. Welcome to Aboard the Night Bus. Welcome to Aboard the Night Bus. What do you get when you mix two Hufflepuffs? Doll, I want to go to Hogwarts so bad. A Ravenclaw. Oh, come on. A Slytherin. It's like, I like my Hufflepuffs. Leave them alone. You want me to beat up Hagrid for you guys? And a guest host. Ollivander kind of creeped me out. Well, I don't want to just say magic <laughs> as the answer. That is a good question, though. Actually, it's Aboard the Night Bus, the new chapter-by-chapter Harry Potter podcast dedicated to taking a light-hearted and fun look at all things Harry Potter. I'd, I'd wear my slithering so, kit every day. From chapter reviews to character analysis, we're taking a not-so-in-depth look at all the things that really matter. The trout. The boga to trout. It's a fish. Join us each week for good discussion. That's scary that, like, every conversation they have from now on is they have Peter Pettigrew there listening. I'm, I'm going to argue otherwise, but you'll have to wait till I do Chapter 8 in our next episode to find out why. A few games... Chocolate frogs, pumpkin pasties, every flavour beans, and a bit of light-hearted banter. Does anyone get anything to to add to that? Uh, no. <laughs> Not that I feel like adding at the moment. <laughs> oh, okay. Aboard the night bus. Subscribe on iTunes. And we are back. And, uh, well, we have a few things to do before we cut out. We're going to rate this episode. We're going to do some quotes. So we're going to make some predictions. But first, uh, Nutty has an idea that she wants to run by us. Well, I was thinking, and I, I'm not saying this is happening. I'm not tying anyone to this. But I was thinking it would be awesome if somewhere in the far future, Heath and Angela go over to the UK and there can be an intro to Red Dwarf Con. Because <laughs> Paul, Shane, and and their editor are all in the general area of the UK, and there's so many more fans in the UK that that would be an awesome idea, and it really would be a great way to end the series. How cool it would that would. be? It really would. There's um, just a few problems. It... <laughs> Money, I yes. see only two problems with that. One, Angela and I are very poor. And two, Angela and I are very, very you poor. You will graduate now, eventually, you problem. know, right? <laughs> I know. I know. We do want to go to the but UK no, someday. We, yeah. we have, yeah, like, you know, there's, there's Japan and there's the UK. And we're not sure which one we want to go to first, but those are our well, two Well, the podcast decided for you. Mm. Oh, there you go. It's always better to come to the UK first because you don't have to learn a new language. There you go. Well, although... 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 Sometimes... <laughs> just messing with you, uh, let's see. Um, so yeah, we got to go to the UK. We have to go to Cardiff to see where Torchwood is. We have to visit the Loch Ness Monster. Um, <laughs> we're going to have to pop in, uh, pop over to Ireland to go to the shop where our wedding rings are from. Yes, that's right. Our wedding rings are from Ireland. Um, have to uh, drop by Shane's house and hop over the Thames. Um, <laughs> <laughs> have to go to Stratford on Avon. I have to say, if you go, because the Thames actually starts about, I don't know, five miles away from my house, Thames. it wouldn't take you long to go over the Thames. 
Mm-hmm. You could actually yeah, hop. Yeah, you, you told us. <laughs> you, yeah, yeah, you, you, you told actually us. walk. You actually walk over. It takes about I don't know one step. <laughs> <laughs> you had told us that. We yeah, we definitely want to do that. <laughs> anyway, but yeah, yeah right. that's a neat idea, and yeah. and I I do hope that that it pans out for someday. Right now, we're just sort of life plans are up in the air. Right now, yeah. oh, totally. That's why I brought it up because <laughs> it's a crazy scheme. Yeah, <laughs> it is. And every once in a while, fun- my mom will be like, "Now, when are y'all planning on having a baby?" Bah, there's plenty of time for that. Please. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, 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 never. And funnily, funnily <laughs> enough, um, with uh, with Sherlock Holmes research, then as far as traveling to do uh, research abroad for for. Uh, Doyle and Holmes, then Angela would probably have a better shot at getting funding to go to Japan yeah. than she would England. They have a fantastic collection you know, in Tokyo. Where Doyle's house is being made into what? Oh, Business apartments? It's subdivided into apartments. It's very sad. Uh, everyone um, uh, support the Save Undershaw project. Yes. Undershaw is the yes. house that Arthur Conan Doyle um, lived um, for a good long time. It's where he um, wrote Hound of the Baskervilles, right? It is. It is. Um, and he actually, uh, like, it was described by, um, I think, Robert Louis Stevenson as a fairyland, which was very cool. But, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's in danger. So, yeah, hope that works out someday. Yeah. Um, let's do some ratings. So, Nutty, as our guest, you get uh, first shot. Oh, geez, I get first shot. Okay, um... Yes, do. I, you know, the funny thing is, when I selected this episode, I thought it was a different episode. Or rather, I merged <laughs> part of this Aww. episode with a different episode that hasn't come yet. And so, for people who have seen Red okay. Dwarf, I thought there was a song in this one. They all now know what I'm thinking about. Um, Oh, yes. Yes. (laughs) So, I'm going to have to rate it a bit lower simply because I'm disappointed it's not that episode. (laughs) (laughs) And um, I'm going to give it... Seven out of ten cats wearing the same outfit twice. Nice. Been noticing that he's been repeating outfits. <laughs> they even <laughs> mention it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. If I, you know, their budget has to be. If I may, can I go next? Do it. Thank you very much. Um, I'm going to be honest here that when I've always done a uh, rewatch of Red Wolf, I've always skipped this episode. Hmm. I've never. Wow. I've never liked this episode, so when I watched it for the purposes of this podcast, it had quite literally been, I don't know, six years since the last time I watched it. Mm. And to be perfectly honest with you, I can see why I'm not a big fan. Um, it's The second half is too rushed for my liking. As I said, by the time we got onto Rimmer World, it's 18 minutes into the episode. 
So, unfortunately, I'm only going to be able to give it 4 out of 10 worry balls. Wow. Ooh, that is low. That's that's rough. Love, you want to go next? Um... No. Because <laughs> I don't have a rating system. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll go. Okay. Um, yeah, this episode is very similar to the last episode in that I thought it had some neat ideas. I thought that they took advantage of some opportunities for character interplay and it had some good jokes. Overall, though, the timing... The pacing, it, it ended up just not working uh, as well as, as it could have. Um, also, beyond that, it's it's an idea that they've done before. Rimmer has had a clone. Uh, he's been a different person. Uh, he's, he's, had a, yeah, he's had himself clone. He's had Ace clone. Um, I mean, we've, we've seen this, and they've done it again, and they really... Didn't do it particularly well this time, I'm sad to say. So I, I'm, I'm going to have to give it a uh, 5 out of 10 um, uh, Welsh uh, fish and chip shops. Hmm. Um, I'm, I'm going to go along with you. I mean, you know, it was a fun watch. It wasn't yeah. memorable except for, you know, some of the gags. Like, like some of the actual jokes yeah, that they told were really good. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm going to give it a 6 out of 10 crates of red hot West Indian red pepper sauce. Nice. Alright, well that is our ratings. Um, Let's see. Oh, what what did you give it again, Nutty? Sorry. I had uh, given it uh, 7 out of 10 uh, repeat outfits on cat. Okay, you guys are so harsh. I got a four, five, six, and seven, which means it averages out at five, five. Now, I compare. By the way, when I rate things, I rate them based on how much I enjoy them, not how they compare to other Red Dwarf episodes, but so much how they compare to mm. other shows. So, I'm always going to sure. rate Red Dwarf pretty high. But you guys are harsh, man. Okay. <laughs> I, I have to rate them according to, you know, according to the show itself. Um, <sighs> mostly because when I watch shows, I actually watch it for things that Red Dwarf does not provide. Not that I don't love Red Dwarf, but it's really out of my box. So I have to rate it according to the show's own uh, own world. Mm. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Uh, let's see. So that's ratings. Uh, next we do quotes. And Nettie, you get to go first again. I do. I do. Um, <clears throat> uh, this is between Cat and Crichton. All in all, 100% successful trip. <laughs> but sir, we lost Mr. Rimmer. All in all, a hundred percent successful trip. And I choose that because every time I've ever seen this episode, I was right there with the cat and able to predict what he was going to say next. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Who wants to go next? I will. Um. Well, remember that medieval war, sir, that lasted quite a long time. 
The Thirty Years' War? No, not that war, sir. The other one. The Hundred Years' War? Now take that figure, multiply it by six, then you'll come up with your golden number, sir. Six hundred years? (laughs) (laughs) My one only quote. That's ridiculous. You've got to find a way of getting me back. Well, we could always try to bring you down with a round from the laser cannon, sir. Form an orderly queue behind the gun sight. Uh, let's see. Um, there are several that I liked in this one. Um, are there no signs of normalcy in these wretches? No cowardice or pomposity? No snidiness or smarm? Not even basic honest-to-goodness double-dealing two-facedness? The honest-to-goodness <laughs> double-dealing. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, Lister, this may seem like a corny line. I'm embarrassed to even say it. Um, um, take me to your leader? <laughs> I didn't include that part because I knew somebody would answer me. <laughs> According to this scan, there's life signs. Confirmed. Thousands of them. Either Mr. Rimmer has the incredible good fortune to land on a populated planet, or... It's too hideous to contemplate. <laughs> and it was too hideous to <laughs> contemplate. <laughs> Let's see. In uh, just six days, I had created my own world, lush and verdant. I had created Rimmer World. I was Adam, in my own Eden. And only one thing was missing. My own Jane. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, uh, Tech had me... Sh- write down one of his favorite quotes, and it goes perfectly after that. Hmm. She, would in, in, she would, in essence, be my sister. But she didn't need to know that. Gotcha. <laughs> of course, I remember. Custer. Derek Custer. Kit. Titan. That was um, so moving from that, uh, there's got to be a way out. There hasn't been a prison built that could hold Derek Custer. Why don't we scrape away this mortar here, slide one of the bricks out, then use a <laughs> rope weaved from the strands of this Hessian, rip up a kind of pulley system so that when a guard comes in, using it as a tripwire, gets laid out, and we put Rimmer in the guard's uniform, he leads us out, we steal some swords, and fight our way back to the bug. Or we could just use a teleporter. Or, in a pinch, we could use the towel. Excellent. Alright, um, <clears throat> my last one. No one on this planet is brave, charming, or sexy? Aww. All crimes here. I must be public enemy one, two, and three. Did I steal yours? Nice. <laughs> yes, that's okay. Sorry. <laughs> I don't have to do another one. Oh. Uh, let's see. I must warn you, sir, the teleporter's not calibrated for human tissue. There's a 20% chance you'll be turned inside out when you materialize. Let me check my lining. Innards and lavender? I can carry that off. <laughs> that is a good one. Anything else? No, I'm out. Um, All right. Uh, in that case, uh, it is time for predictions. So what is the name of the episode which we cannot even see a frame of? 
um, quite interesting. We've been talking about the past few episodes of the fact they've... We've been talking about the, the past few episodes about the fact they keep seem to be running out of time. Mm-hmm. And all these episodes should really be two-parters. Mm-hmm. Um, so the episode next week is actually called Out of Time. Oh, well, there you go. I've got a theory on this. Interesting. Got a theory. <laughs> Let's see. I My theory is Lister has been turned into a hologram right when Christine has fallen out <laughs> of a time warp. Lister starts fighting Rimmer over the hard light generator while Kat starts putting the moves on Christine. Wonder why I'm thinking of that. <laughs> <laughs> If you've been, yes, Angela has started dreaming of Red Dwarf now. <laughs> it was the weirdest thing. It was... And frankly, I think that she dreamed a better plot than the one that we just watched. <laughs> so, <laughs> I want to see that episode. It was. Um, it was like one of those dreams that you have when you're just waking up and you don't have to get up right away. So, you're you keep falling asleep. So, you're like aware enough. Catch a few when more minutes awake. of it of the dream to sort of help write it. <laughs> it's a cool concept. Now, you know, I did actually think in this episode, two things. One, um, if they had this planet full of rimmers and wouldn't it have been convenient to just grab one to teleport with them and then use the, um, uh, the transference thing to put rimmer back into an actual physical body. Mm. Um, I assume that there would be no danger of rejection, seeing as how it's his own yeah. brain he would be put into. But then uh, you're killing two. the clone. Ah, eh, who cares? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm 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 gonna take the Janeway position on that. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that about <laughs> sums up Janeway. <laughs> Tuvix, yeah, you're gonna die, aren't you? Oh well, screw it. <laughs> I left my lizard um, babies on a planet, so, you know. <laughs> um, and the second thing is, okay, they were chasing um, Red Dwarf, and now they have gone into this wormhole mm-hmm. and spent 600 years. Now, are they going to be able to travel back through the wormhole? And if they do, then will only a few minutes have, or a few seconds, I suppose, in terms of relative time, have passed? Or... Are have they like lost a hundred years on Red Dwarf? No, um, I, I think it's. Are they even still actively looking for Red I Dwarf at this know. point? Because they haven't really made a point of that. <laughs> They're mostly looking for supplies right now. Yeah, yeah. Of course, if they find Red Dwarf, then they're going to have to ask why Holly isn't around, mm. and that might get uncomfortable. So I don't know. Um, we will find out. So your theory for out of time... Okay, do you have another theory? Um, I I think, like, this whole season has been very continuity. So I think it is going to be, um, something to do with Red Dwarf. Like, finding it Mm. or, you know, having to choose between whether to board it or do something else. Or something along those lines. I don't know. My theory is that Out of Time is about a man named Billy Pilgrim. <laughs> and Billy... No. Oh, sorry. 
Nice literature reference. And so it goes. And so it goes. And so it goes. Poo beat. Um. <laughs> Slaughterhouse Five, everybody. Uh, I have uh, no idea, really, um, about this. I mean, I, I do think now that they've mentioned something terrible happens to Lister, and that they've said uh, out of time then, yeah, I tend to think that we're going to get a little bit more continuity from our early expeditions in time travel um, to figure out what's what, whether he loses the arm or not, um, uh, what what goes on with the whole uh, Kachansky and the kids problem. Um, I think something has to change. And in fact, ooh, there's a thought. Okay. They have eliminated the only female presence on the show. Um, if we know that he ends up with Kachansky, maybe this is where uh, we're going to see her come back. Maybe you're right. Maybe she is going to fall out of a time warp. We will do the time warp again. I, I would... It's just a time jump to the left. <laughs> I mean, unless <laughs> Rob Grant and Doug Naylor are just really uncomfortable with writing female characters, which, you know, I don't that's think that's fine. If they are. I think they wouldn't have known what to do with Holly, even if it had still been... No, I, I think once Crichton came along as exposition computer guy, you had one character too many for for the format. I guess so. But, you know, we will see. Find out who is right and who is dead. <laughs> uh, next time on the Red Dwarf intro cast, Nutty, thank you for stopping by, even if it wasn't the episode that you hoped it would be. It's always fun to... Uh, spend an afternoon with you guys anyway so thank you <laughs> it does end up being the whole afternoon doesn't it <laughs> <laughs> the whole afternoon. Sorry. Um, well we're coming on three hours uh, since i started chatting with shane <laughs> uh well tell me this um do you know um uh, are you going to be coming back did you manage yes. to get the episode that you um thought? i don't know okay. if i got the episode that i did get the episode that i first asked for my favorite episode okay, in good. the entire series is coming up and when uh they first started a- allowing guest hosts i did say to shane i said i want this one <laughs> and he said i don't have a list that far but i'll put you down for it <laughs> nice Oh, hey, you, you get special privileges. You made our show art for us. <laughs> <laughs> and it's awesome. Got to hear me I'm going to have to figure out a way to... Lifetime. <laughs> oh, no. so oh, well, that reminds me. I need to put to the square version on the on the group. I put it, I made a square version, too. Oh. Hang on, let me do that. Yeah, I was trying to figure out. I'm going to fiddle with it a little bit in Photoshop, if you don't mind, to resize it so I can I get it to fit our um, pod bean site. Mm. Oh, um, I I have the dimensions. If you want, I can uh, retweak it. Oh, cool. Yeah, we will talk about that. Cool. Awesome. All right. All righty. Um, well, thank you for listening. Uh, check back in with us next week. Uh, and we will ground out the season before going on a bit of a hiatus uh, while we, you know, graduate and figure out job situations and whatnot. And uh, Shane uh, takes over as prime minister. Um <laughs> <laughs> we will see you then. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.